Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Spectacular music in the background here. We'll start with the top five teams in the NFL. And I think, like I said before, it's hard to dispute that the Kansas City Chiefs are right now the best team in the NFL. They're the only team that's undefeated remaining in the league, which I think speaks to parity more than anything else. So the Chiefs are 1-0. In the two spot, I know they just lost, and they couldn't get a late drive to get the win over the Bills. But I've still got the Falcons as the second-best team in the NFL. Those are the same top two teams that I had last week. I think if you look at the overall resume right now, to me, the Falcons, second-best team in the NFL. In the three spot, I know it's a little bit early in the season, But Trevor Simeon has looked really good. The Broncos have played a very difficult early season schedule, and they are now sitting at 3-1. Four spot, Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions. And at the five spot, another NFC North team. I have got the Green Bay Packers. Bottom five gets a little bit easier, and uh, here are my bottom five. I have got the Bears at 28. Chargers at 29, Giants at 30, 49ers at 31, and Browns at 32. Now, for the five worst teams in the NFL, the one thing I would say about the bottom five is the Bears don't have a quarterback. Obviously, we're getting to the Mitch Trubisky era. We'll see what exactly the impact of that is going to be long range. The Chargers and the Giants actually have pretty decent quarterbacks, even though they're combined to 0-8. Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning are not the worst quarterbacks in the universe. So it's a little bit a little bit of trepidation about putting them down there. We expected the 49ers and the Browns to be bad. Three of these five teams really don't have quarterbacks. We'll see how good Mitch Trubisky is with the Bears. 49ers, they're obviously playing out the season, waiting to see what's going to happen. And I think the Deshaun Kaiser era, 
has not gotten off to a uh, robust start, although I'm not sure who with the Browns as quarterback has ever gotten off to a robust start. But the Chargers and the Giants could eventually turn this around, and obviously the Chargers, if they had a decent field goal kicker, would be 2-2. Two and two. So I'm a little bit a little bit unfair to put the Chargers there, but those are my bottom five. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I want to do Outkick's top 10 for week 5, 2017. And I'll go in reverse order here. The 10th best team in college football right now, I think it's the Auburn Tigers. Auburn, if you have paid attention to what happens with Gus Malzahn, when Auburn has been good, when they won the national championship with Cam Newton, and when they basically almost won the national championship with Nick Marshall, when they lost to Florida State and Jameis Winston on the final drive of that game, Auburn won a lot of close games that year, but they also got progressively better on the offensive side of the ball. The defense at Auburn is really good this year. The offense in the last two weeks against Missouri and Mississippi State has started to get hot. Jared Stidham has looked like a really good quarterback. I'm telling you, Auburn is a top 10 team in the nation right now. Number nine overall, Washington Huskies. You know, nobody is watching Washington. And Chris Peterson actually complained about this because they've played so many late kickoffs. And for a long time before I spent time on the West Coast, I used to hear a lot about a East Coast bias. And, you know, then I went out to Fox, did a lot of shows in L.A., loved being out there. And, you know, you spend enough time on both sides of the coast and you realize East Coast bias is not actually a bias. It's just you got to go to bed. Like Friday night, I put out a tweet and I said, uh, am I a pussy willow because I can't stay up for this 1030 kickoff between Washington State and USC, right? I really wanted to watch that game. I had that game on, 10.30 Eastern kickoff. You know me, I get up at 4 a.m. usually every day, early in the morning here, to get ready for this show in Central Time. And I had that game on, and I just fell asleep right about halftime. I mean, literally fell asleep with the television on, and I was just out. I couldn't stay up late enough. And so that wasn't East East Coast bias on my behalf. I wanted to watch USC play Washington State. I just wasn't able to stay up. And I think that's a big part of why people haven't noticed how much Chris Peterson has got things rolling right now with the Huskies. They're 5-0. and They've played three road games, and they've won every game by at least 16 points. Washington right now, if I were betting on the most likely team in college football to go 12-0, and it would be the Huskies. Washington State, I've got in the eighth spot. Big win over USC. Mike Leach now 5-0. and Huge game for Washington State on the road against Oregon this weekend. One of the most intriguing in college football. Uh, Michigan, Wolverines had a bye week. I've got them at number seven overall. Penn State continues to roll. They're going to be undefeated probably when they play against. Who are they playing against? Remember, uh, they've got Michigan coming to town on October 21st. I think Michigan will be 6-0. and I think that Penn State will be 7-0 and or 6-0. and I can't remember when their bye week is. But that's going to be a matchup of undefeateds in Happy Valley. Number five, Oklahoma had a bye week. TCU's at four. They had a bye week. Georgia. Georgia delivered the worst beating to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville since 1905. 41 to nothing win by Georgia. It was an absolute beatdown. Clemson, number two overall, and Alabama, number one. Alabama and Clemson have distanced themselves 
from everybody else in college football. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. He's Jim Ross. He's good old JR from the WWE, and he's got a new book out. And you've done a lot in your career. What was writing a book like for you? Well, it was my third one. I've had two New York Times bestsellers. Uh, it was a it was challenging, Clay, considering that my writing partner, Scott Williams, uh, abruptly died un- unexpectedly last October. Uh, and then uh, uh, my wife got killed in March. So I lost my, my partner in life, my writing partner, uh, and was lucky enough to score another partner who actually lives in Ireland. So it was a damn challenging excursion, let me tell you. Uh, and and probably the latter part of March, after she she got killed, I I really thought, man, I just can't finish the book right now. There's too much on my plate. But I, I poured me for a couple of hours and said, to hell with it, and let's go finish our job and get it done. So that's where we are. Now it's in stores today. What's this book about? How would it compare? To the, you said you wrote in two prior. What's different about this book? What's kind of the focal point? Well, the first two books I did was, one was a cookbook, actually, called Can You Take the Heat?, with Simon and Schuster. Then I did uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin biography uh, that was on, in uh, Harper Collins. And now my book is the first time I've written about myself, my story of growing up as a poor farm kid in eastern Oklahoma, only child on a 160 acre farm, who somehow, some way, and shame on me, uh, for falling in love with pro wrestling. You know, uh, but uh, I, uh, and I've lived, I, look, I, I'm saying that facetiously. But it's kind of like ribbing on the square, as they say in wrestling. I've been kidded and BSed about being a wrestling fan, uh, much like when I was a small kid being being chubby. So uh, it's about a chubby kid with a love for wrestling that got went from the farm to the garden, i.e. Madison Square Garden, and thought he'd have a summertime job from college that lasted 40 years. So it's it's an interesting journey, to say the least. Let's talk a little bit about Oklahoma. So you are a born and raised Oklahoman who is a huge Oklahoma Sooners fan. Do you remember the first game you ever watched or listened to involving Oklahoma? Yeah, I. it was a, a game. Oklahoma did something very unusual. They recruited a junior college player, and Bud Wilkinson recruited Joe Don Looney, one of the great names in all of sports, and he lived up to it. Uh, and I think Joe Don was probably big time on the on the anabolics back in the sixties. <laughs> he must have just a summer in Russia or something on the work with the Olympians uh, in that era. But nonetheless, it was the early sixties, and then Joe Don got the ball. Got, I think they might have been playing Syracuse or somebody. Uh, but it was an odd game, intersectional game. And uh, but that was my first foray. The first time I ever saw him play in person. I was a senior in high school in 1969, and they played the Colorado, and Steve Owens won the Heisman Trophy that year. I think he scored like four or five touchdowns that day. So it's been a part of the lexicon of my family. You know, you grow up poor. You grow up without cable and without all these things we have today. You find you, you, you gravitate to things that the family likes to embrace, and OU football was right up there with uh, deer hunting and uh, farming the land. So Baker Mayfield. Where does he rank for you in Oklahoma players that you have enjoyed watching, and do you think he will win the Heisman Trophy? Well, he's right there at the top uh, of that. I don't know how to. See. I don't know if anybody I've seen play there that I have enjoyed wa- uh, watching more. And there's been some really good ones uh, since my fandom really escalated to sideline status. Uh, 
he's been a two-time Heisman finalist. Look, if they can just take care of their business a week on a week-by-week basis, this team and their Oklahoma's defense can continue to improve a bit, without question. I think they have a 12-win offense. I think they have right now a nine-win defense. But the defense is improving. So, but Baker's a. I did Falcon football in the early '90s and on radio, and uh, they had this second-round pick named Brett Favre, who yeah. reminds me of of uh, Baker Mayfield. And don't roll your eyes too badly. Not in as far as his arm and his physical gifts, but how his teammates migrate to him and embrace him, whether a D lineman or a D back or whatever. Uh, Brett Favre was that way as a rookie in Atlanta. His teammates wanted him to play, and he never got on the, on the field much. Uh, but Baker's that way. His teammates love him. He's a good kid. I stood beside him on a lot of games during his redshirt year when he was, or yeah, he was in, you know, what in uniform. So he's going through a lot, man. He's he's a hell of a leader. I think he's going to be fine. Oklahoma will go as far as Baker Mayfield carries it. Period. How stunned? We're talking to Jim Ross. He's got a brand new book out. I'd encourage you guys to go check it out. What's the title of the book, Jim? Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. It's out in bookstores everywhere today. You can obviously get it on Amazon everywhere else as well. Um, when you heard that Bob Stoops was going to step down, how stunned were you? And what do you do you believe that Bob Stoops has finished coaching forever? I can tell you that I wasn't totally shocked that he, uh, he uh, stepped away. Uh, in March, the, the weekend after my wife was ran over, uh, by this uh, obvious unskilled driver, uh, Bob and his wife came to my house on in a, on a Sunday afternoon. So I want to drop by and see how you're doing. So I figure it's going to be a typical kind of Oklahoma. Uh, let's drop by the widower's house. We'll take a casserole dish uh, with actually with food in it, obviously, and uh, we'll we'll stay 15 or 20 minutes, pay our respects to the hell out of there, and we'll go back and get our casserole dish later. Well, you know, he ends up staying in my house that afternoon, like three hours. And we watched football. March Madness was on. And he asked me, JR, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do? I said, well, Bobby, I'm going to slow down a bit. I got to, I, I missed my window here. You know, we, we had the money, we had the, all the fame, the good luck, and I worked hard for 40 plus years, and now my partner's gone. I waited too long, so I'm not going to do that. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but it's going to be done at a slower pace. He said, man, I'm right there with you. He said, nobody's ever going to compare me to Joe Pa or Bowden or even Coach Snyder, who Bob loves at K-State. He said, I'm, I'm getting out. And he's told us before, his inner circle kind of guys, that he said, I'm, never going to, I'm not going to coach probably much past 55. So he's been to those close to him. He's, we've known this, but we didn't know when. And the when was what was a big surprise. Him stepping away was not really uh, a total shock. So, and I want to circle back around your your wife. And this was in March. I mean, she is just uh, she's just gets hit by a car. I mean, I can't she's even imagine. Home, she's driving home from our gym that we go to, and and and, our, and coming into our housing addition on one of the main drags, you come down a little bit of a hill, and the kid was driving, and he when he topped the hill, there was a blind spot there where he didn't see her. He was following too close, obviously, apparently going too fast. And uh, he ran over the top of her. She, he didn't even see her. It's as if she wasn't there. And it caught her underneath his car and multiple skull fractures. And, and she was such a huge part of my career. You know, when I have all, I'm hiring these guys like Dwayne Johnson and I'm hiring Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brock Lesnar and John Cena. All these guys are my guys. And uh, when they came to town, they came to JR's house and JR, meaning Jan Ross, cooked dinner. 
and sometimes did their laundry. She became very close to my 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 players. I started to say my wrestlers and their wives, uh, by and large. So, uh, yeah, she it just it was just a horrible day. So, but Bobby came to help me. He was he knew I was down, and 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 he I could tell that he was very serious about his future. I had no idea. I can't be a, you know. Oh yeah, I knew. Hell yeah, man. Oh yeah. I said, oh, good old boys know. I didn't know he was going to do it then, but I knew it wasn't going to be long. Well, first of all, condolences for your wife, and 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 I, I can't imagine how difficult that was to deal with. And obviously, we're talking about your book that's coming out, Slobberknocker, which I would encourage people to uh, to check out. Um, you just mentioned, you know, Bob Stoops coming to hang out and saying, like, I'm not going to be one of these guys like Joe Pa that that coaches to the end of the, the time. So you think that in your experience, you think he's finished? Like he'll he'll ride off into the sunset now, smell the roses, be one of these coaches who gets away and doesn't become a lifer. I don't think so. I think you're. I think that's what I'm saying. I don't. I, don't, I can't see a job that he uh, would jump back into the mix, leave his home here in Norman. You know, they built a. They built a. Looks like a high Regency or a. Or a <laughs> yeah. You know, God Almighty, it's amazing. The house is phenomenal, and you know, his kids are seniors. Two boys are seniors in high school this year. Here, they, this is the only home they've ever known. So uh, I, I, I see him getting into maybe uh, broadcasting. Yeah. I can see him being a, a great commercial endorser because he's clean. He didn't have scandal attached to him. Uh, so I can see him doing that. But I certainly see uh, a Fox or somebody being interested in Bob because he has a good look. He's fresh. He'll have a good perspective. He'll be able to get good info because he's, he's connected to everybody pretty much. So uh, I, I think that's probably his next move. But I think this year he's going to watch high school football and watch those two twin boys play their senior year. No, that's a pretty awesome experience if you are a dad. Uh, Clay Travis is outkick the coverage. We're talking with Jim Ross. Uh, go follow him at what, what JR's Barbecue, I believe, on Twitter. You can also get the info there for yep. his book, which comes out today, uh, Slobberknocker. I want to ask you, you just mentioned several of those guys you signed, The Rock, Stone Cold, all these guys who have become iconic superstars in the world of wrestling and now, frankly, beyond with John Cena, The Rock, and everything they've been able to do. What was it like the first time you saw The Rock? Oh, he was – he captivated me. And uh, I don't want to say that in a any sort of – that could be taken in a salacious way. Uh, I guess in some people's perspective, not there's anything wrong with that. But <laughs> I was captivated. Yeah. Uh, he was 6'5 and 270, and his mother was Samoan. His father was black, and he had an exotic look and – we sat down. We, I was recruiting him and getting ready to sign him because he'd been cut from the Calgary Stampeders. How much money did he have when you signed him? When you met him, he didn't have enough money to buy us lunch. He said he had seven bucks in his pocket, and uh, I bought lunch. We had black beans, rice, and chicken at a at a, at a, a Cuban restaurant. And every woman in the restaurant, seemingly, came by our table to see if we needed more water or tea. <laughs> and I think some of them didn't even work there. They just want to come by and look at him. And then when the guys came in, the men, like workers at lunch and things, they recognized me from TV, but they wanted to meet The Rock, Dwayne. And it was a big football fair there. Down, We went to lunch in Davie, Florida. He was a big star at Miami, as you know. So, uh, But, you know, when I saw that every woman in the house wanted to, to look at him and get closer to him, and the guys were not, uh, uh, didn't feel, uh, you know, intimidated, by his presence, because that happens sometimes with matinee idol kind of people. 
uh, I, I knew that he was extraordinary. He, he transcended gender and race, and he's just a phenomenal human being. And the great thing about it is that he was one of the first guys in the middle of the night when, when, when my wife got killed was got in touch with me. It's really interesting when you take an inventory of who reaches out when and you really, really have a, when you're knocked to your knees. And he was he and Stone Cold Steve Austin are two of my two of my recruits and two of my guys that were the, at the top of that list. That's that speaks well, obviously, for him. You said the charisma was obviously apparent. Yep. Nowadays, when you look back, um, do you ever think like what would have happened if I had not met him? Like, I mean, this guy obviously is is up there among the most successful stars in not obviously just wrestling now in all of the world of media. How soon did you know when you saw him in the ring? This guy has got it. Like when I mean, it's like you almost have to trust your instinct. Who else kind of struck you in the same way that you signed and you said, "Boy, this guy is going to be is on a rocket ship." It's funny that the common denominator between the guys I've, I've mentioned to you that this vividly popped into my head all are uh, mainstream success story athletes. Uh, Rock. Rock was the kind of guy, you show him a drill in the morning, you break for lunch, come back in the ring in the afternoon and do the same drills. He didn't make any of the same mistakes. He did it right. So he was a one, one-time one guy. Uh, but he, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle are all, you make one pass with them. They were so superior athletically that the athletic challenges of executing some of the maneuvers without killing each other, they could master almost, I don't want to say effortlessly, but they could match them so naturally because of their great athleticism. Uh, but those three right there really uh, come to mind that, boy, they just from day one. Because we started Angle, we started Brock, and we started uh, Rock, Dwayne, all with no background, completely green. So they started with no bad habits, and, and here we go. So, But those guys really, really got it quick, and that's why they, they didn't linger long in the, in the hinderlands before they were called up to the main roster. When you look, you've been involved in wrestling, like you said, for 40 years. It's funny, I've got two young boys. I've got a 9-year-old and a 7-year-old that are real. And my 3-year-old my is kind of interested. But I took my boys down to the big WWE event that we had recently in Nashville. And we sat close to the ring and, and everything else. Do you like wrestling more now? Or did you like it more back in the old days with the Hulk Hogan's, with the... Uh, you know the 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 Andre the Giants. Like for a lot of people out there, old school that are listening, I'd be curious in some of your old school wrestling stories. And did you ever believe that Vince McMahon would take it to where he took it? Well, I didn't know that it was humanly possible for a for an individual, no matter that the greatest entrepreneur in the world, and McMahon is, in my view. Uh, but he's taken a business. If you think about it, man, if you think about how the perception of pro wrestling is. You know, I, I'm sure that when the notice went out, and you and I were have been friends, and and through our friends at Fox and so forth, you know, it was you were you were cool having me on your show this morning, even though I'm a wrestling guy and you're a legit sports guy. Legit in quotation marks, but thanks. Well, you know, I'm, my eyebrows, <laughs> eyebrows up. Come on, yeah, uh, yeah. But we're both in entertainment business. Yes. If anybody says, "Well, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a sports journalist." Well, then you're, you're not on the radio. You're not doing anything entertaining because I see guys that really still think they're sports journalists on television and on radio, and hear them on radio from time to time that are horrid. They're terrible. Uh, they can't make a point. They can't use a sound bite. They can't put sentences together. 
but you know they got a good player resume or whatever. I I I have a I'm not real big on sports broadcasting right now, but in any event, uh, the old time guys uh, were very interesting to be around. It, they, I think they were more, some of them were more interesting natural characters. But it's really a it's a societal and generational thing, in my view. I mean, uh, uh, these guys today are, are are bigger and stronger. They have, they have better nutrition. They have better information. But I don't know that they have better awareness. I don't know if they have better instincts. Some do. But, you know, it's just like a, a ball player. It's like saying, uh, could Jim Brown play in the day's NFL? Are you kidding? Really? We're going to stop and think about that, huh? We're going to analyze Jim Brown playing today in the NFL. You know, go lay down. Chop, please. Stop it. You're embarrassing <laughs> yourself, man. So some of, our, some, some of these guys, that's like saying, well, we want – Wrestling like it used to be. Well, look, you give me a, a locker room of, of Hall of Famers like we were able to recruit and sign and bring into that company, and it's and in challenging years against Time Warner and the Monday Night Wars and Ted Turner, uh, and great things can happen. But we were very, very fortunate that we got a, an amazing group of men and women that wanted to win, they were competitive, and people were going to say, well, how in the hell is this guy talking about being competitive in pro wrestling? The endings are predetermined. No kidding, Buckwheat. No kidding. I just I found that out, too, after 40 years. <laughs> the endings are predetermined. I'll be damned. But the issue is, is that they they're two hundred they're two hundred game a year player. They travel. Every game is a one night stand. They do things that are extraordinary for a human being, for any entertainer, not just a pro wrestler. So I have great respect for the business, and even and probably more so today because the travel, the footprint with McMahon's genius, the footprint's now global. So these guys uh, are going. I, I saw where WWE's got uh, uh, some people in India. They're going to go do a tour in India in, in November. They're in over 100, 150 countries. So uh, they're, it's amazing how this uh, brand has grown and where McMahon has taken it. A, a business that nobody gave a damn about. Smoke-filled arenas. They had a niche following at best with a dubious background. And he made it a mainstream sports uh, entertainment Pop culture phenomenon. It's pretty damn, and I'm so damn lucky, man. See, I my book talks about. I started out with a two camera shoot, yeah, uh, and a stick mic. Didn't have they didn't have money for a headset, and so but I've, then I've done twenty camera shoots. I've done stadium shows. I've done shows in barns and rodeo arenas. I've done shows in Madison Square Garden. You know, Jerry's World. All this good stuff. So it's all it's all good stuff, man. It's, but I I can document that when I got in wrestling. There was one show on your local show is what you saw. There was no cable. There was no internet, and all that stuff came about during my tenure. And it's it's really captivating to write about. The book is Slobberknocker: My Life in Wrestling, and it is at JR's Barbecue. Jim Ross. We're talking to him right now. Old school wrestler. Who was your Who were your favorite guys to be around? Uh, who were the most entertaining? Tell me some stories out there because there's a lot of people listening starting their day who were thinking about Andre the Giant or Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair. What was that experience like being around those guys? Well, there's nobody in the world like Ric Flair. Uh, you know, he's he is exactly what you see on television. Is pretty much what you get when the cameras aren't running. He's the nature boy, twenty four seven, and uh, it's and to that to that end and with that statement, uh, as many know, uh, he was near death within the last few weeks uh, down in Atlanta. Uh, so he's out of the out of the out of the fire right now and he's healing he's getting better but he's had a he's still got a long way back but flair's hard living and drinking caught up with him 
in that respect. But uh, nobody partied like Rick. Uh, he and I walked into a, a, a frigging Holiday Inn bar that maybe had 10 people in it. And he ordered 130, and the number, I don't have a clue of the number, 100, 117 kamikazes. <laughs> Not 116, not 100, not 50. 117 kamikazes at a Holiday Inn bar. Yeah, and uh, I think we started recruiting people to come in and drink them because they were everywhere. They were everywhere. They looked like Easter eggs in, in March or something. They weren't where Easter is. Uh, but he, uh, Flair was a one-of-a-kind guy. Dick Murdoch, saying Murdoch was a big uh, uh, West Texas redneck, 6'5", 275, great hand. Uh, and he was another guy that was bigger than life, that lived as – that he didn't play a character. That's who he was. And so I think that's the great thing about the success of some of these wrestlers that I was able to recruit and sign, is that they, they, they became natural extensions of their own personality on television. So they weren't – they didn't have to worry about how – if they were in character or not. They just amplified who they are. And so Rock was that way. And, and, and the thing about – we talked about Rock earlier, Clay, is that I wonder where the entertainment business would be uh, without his presence right now. He's such a dominant player if he had not been discovered on Monday Night Raw. No, it's a good point. I mean, it, it's amazing how much he's transcended things. People are talking about The Rock maybe running for president. The guy who is the president now, Donald Trump, I'm curious, how many times did you meet him? What do you remember about him? Because he obviously had an affiliation with uh, with Vince McMahon and everything associated with the WWE. Would you have ever believed that he was going to end up president? Uh, answer your first question, your last question first. Hell no, I didn't believe he'd be president. Uh, I, met his, I met Donald several times. And I will be fully transparent here. Uh, I'm not uh, a fan of what he's done thus far as the president of the United States. Uh, but uh, he was, but I will say unabashedly, he was very nice to me, very polite. Uh, he was, I think he really wanted to be one of the boys. You know, uh, it's like the, it's like the, uh, uh, the English teacher that's the study hall monitor. And where you normally had the the football coach as a study hall monitor, and he's off today. And so the well, the, an English teacher comes in and sets babysets a study hall, and he wants to be as cool as the head coach. He wants to be as cool as the football coach, who's normally the, whose job that normally is. It's that's how Donald felt to me. He felt like he was a guy that really wanted to be accepted by the the locker room, but and it seemed like he felt out of place there. And as much as he probably wasn't a uh, structured mainstream uh, amateur athlete is my take on it. Did he but, uh, no, Did he know wrestling stories? I mean, no. did, did he pay attention to that at all? Nah, no, no. So he would come he in for big events. He segments. And, uh, but he, I don't to say he was a lifelong fan and a devotee of pro, the grappling game. Uh, no, he wasn't. He had a great chemistry with, with McMahon. I think McMahon influenced Donald a great deal. I think I think Stone Cold Steve Austin identifying with the common man by wearing his baseball cap on television back in the day when other guys weren't doing it, and it, it identifies with rednecks and, and, and especially as Southerners as we're stereotyped. But baseball caps are, are part of our wardrobe. A yeah. good collection of them is part of our wardrobe, right? So uh, uh, Austin's cap, I think, is where Trump got the idea of those red cats that says, let's make America great, because he believed that it identified with a common guy. And to a certain degree, it does. But it's kind of it's kind of conflicting when you're wearing a probably a $10,000 suit and a, you know, a red ball cap. 
That's that's actually a great point because Trump was able to connect with a lot of people that obviously he didn't have a lot in common with. You and I both born and raised Southern guys. I'm Nashville. You're Oklahoma. Like we, uh, by nature of our lifestyles, are going to come into contact with a lot of people who are just salt of the earth people, right? I mean, like that. That's the normal lifestyle. Trump grew up in New York City. Uh, had absolutely no connection with a lot of these guys, right, that are now in his base in the South. And maybe you're right that that initial connection to him came through the WWE arena where he recognized how big this audience could potentially be. One has to speculate how old Donald Trump was the first time he played football with his buddies and got tackled on grass. No, it's a great point. You know, I mean, it really is. Because it, yeah, no, you're exactly right. He grew up in Queens, like in a in a house surrounded by concrete. And and then it's amazing. Everybody who is, you know, like uh, lives in the dirt are the, are the people who are the biggest supporters of Donald Trump. Um, last question for you, and I know how busy you are. You got your book coming out. It's Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. We're talking to, uh, we could talk all day. I'm sure we could. Uh, talking to Jim Ross at JR's uh, Barbecue on Twitter. Go follow him there. Thank him for coming on the show and hopefully go buy the book as well. Um, we mentioned a little bit on Vince McMahon. Um, I am just fascinated by his rise and by what he did. I think I've told you this before, but I'm a WWE shareholder. Uh, my kids are all into it. I just think content matters, and there's a huge audience of people that loves everything that WWE does. Um, when did you realize how good? You said he was one of the greatest entrepreneurs you've ever known. When did you realize how good Vince McMahon was to be able to be a character in his own right and be as good as he is in the wrestling game but also be as brilliant as he is from a business perspective? Well, Vince McMahon is the hardest-working human being I've ever been around. And I was raised, again, as I mentioned, a 160-acre farm, mom and dad and me. Well, everybody had more than one job. You know, a little fat kid like me was doing a lot of chores. And that's how I got my – I earned my one-hour pro wrestling a week because I did my chores and got my, my grades were good. I had, I had to have a certain GPA, like a football player, to be eligible because the old man wasn't a big wrestling fan. So – uh, but you know, I, I gosh, I, I don't know. Uh, he from day one. I mean, I just he was hands on. I went to the. I met him in Augusta, Georgia, the home of the Masters. We had a three hour meeting while he was taping. They were taping three hours of television in the arena. He and I stood out behind the arena in the service area, and he told me, and we talked, and and I was still working for Turner, and I I jumped ship, uh, and it was the best move I ever made in my life, but. Uh, it's astounding how hard he works and how he lives life to its fullest. You know, his training, his diet, all that stuff. And, hey, look, is he, is he, uh, can he, can he be megamaniacal? Damn right he can. Uh, he's the alpha male, no doubt. But I was so lucky, Clay, how I was raised with a high school educated father, uh, who was my, uh, you know, I was there joint to hit the old man. I was the only boy, the only, only kid. And uh, he was hard, boy. He was tough. And it prepared me for life in a lot of ways, which a lot of this book talks about, because my relationship with my dad and I, we were too damn much alike. And there was some defiance there and some conflict. And the, and the only thing I will sh- share, that the only good thing, it, it didn't ever come to bloodshed, but it could have. But I didn't have the balls for it to because I knew he'd have whipped my ass. So uh, but it was a really interesting how that ended up was beautiful. But uh, Vince, there's nobody like Vince. He's been compared to everybody, Don King, P.T. Barnum. Those some bitches need to be compared to Vince. Because as far as I know, Don King and uh, P.T. Barnum aren't billionaires. McMahon is. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. Last question for you. I need you to be fast here, too. Would you like to call an Oklahoma football game before your uh, your career is over as an announcer? you damn right. Is that quick? Is that a good sound? <laughs> that is you're damn perfect. right, JR. I'd like to call an Oklahoma football game. Hey, look, it's the, it's a... It's hard work, man, and I'm a. I like that. I like that celebrity uh, feel that I like to manifest. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes myself now. I like being <laughs> on the sideline. I'll be there Saturday morning against uh, Iowa State. Can't wait. Awesome. We'll be watching for you on television. Can't wait to see you again, my man. Appreciate you getting up early with us this morning. You bet, buddy. Love your work, pal. Keep it up. I appreciate that. That is good old Jr. Go follow him at Jr.'s Barbecue. Go check out the brand new book that just came out today, Slobberknocker. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!